Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Once again, I'm excited to have another leader in the world of sports on Leaders Lead with Van Malone. Coaches and administrators all over the sports world have enjoyed the great insight that we continue to have on this podcast. It's also been a remarkable experience for me personally. We've had a chance to share with conference commissioners, athletic directors, head coaches, and we've even had a Super Bowl champion, NFL coach, grace our podcast. Now, our next, our next guest, who I consider a, a dynamic leader, has had a terrific career in college athletics. Dr. Jones, Dr. Tamika Jones, is a recognized leader in the collegiate sports world and has been an inf influential voice throughout her career as an administrator. She's held posts at the University of Texas, San Antonio, UC Riverside, and Clark Atlanta University, where she was the athletic director at both of those institutions. She's also done outstanding work on several NCAA committees. She's an amazing leader, like I said before, and a fantastic role model for anyone who aspires to work in collegiate sports. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Tamika. Uh, we're excited to, to, to jump right in. Thank you, Van, for having me. And I couldn't resist um, being a part of Winners Win, Leaders Lead. I mean, that, that uh, phrase has just um, probably been my, my life's work as I've gone forth in this journey of collegiate athletics as a former athlete, uh, coach, and um, sitting athletic director, as you shared, and now as the chief operating officer at Kennesaw State University in my hometown, Atlanta, Georgia. So thanks again for having me. Oh, yes. Great to have you. So now, my, my mom always used to say, don't ever say what you won't do, or don't ever say where you won't be. So, so I consider it funny when I, when I think about it, like sometimes we find ourselves in places that we never, never ever thought we'd be. Yeah. Right. And so for me, uh, being a coach, I never, never would have thought that I would have coached at Mississippi State University, find myself in Starkville, Mississippi. Right. Well, your path is is somewhat unique as well. And yeah. and I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, but we want to know about your journey from being a former student athlete, a standout basketball player, point guard. I was supposed to be a point guard, but I shot it probably too much. So they went yeah. on and moved me over to the shooting <laughs> guard and, and found a point guard. OK. All right. It was all I mean, good. OK, for sure. Right. Because uh, I, I was checking out, you know, I, I'm on research. 
there's a game I believe you guys played when you went college with Clark Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We scored 17 points and, and ended up winning the game. We were down 15 points. Yeah, point guards normally don't take over like that, but <laughs> I, I got you. Uh, and, and then I also researched to find out that you had a very short-lived cross-country career. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's a right. whole story behind that. Yeah, I understand. Right, I understand. So, so talk us through that path from, from being a standout athlete to then being a GA uh, and then now to being the COO at Kennesaw State. Absolutely. Um, I have to first say that I've been um, privileged from the standpoint of, you know, raise, being raised in a family that really um, supported me and, and pushed me into where my strengths were. And um, I remember growing up, you know, uh, the middle child and playing with my brothers outside. I played every sport right there in my yard, baseball, soccer, um, you know, basketball. Um, and then sometimes I wouldn't get picked for the games. And so actually what happened, my dad, you know, built me a court, gave me a ball. And he said, now this is yours. <laughs> Nobody cannot pick you for the game. Okay. Um, the, the, my house was the bus stop. So I gained a lot of friends, a lot of, um, you know, uh, leadership of skills and ability yeah. probably during that time. And really a lot of confidence to um, be able to play with the boys, you know, um, play with some very talented girls back in that day. And I just used and developed that skill to earn a basketball scholarship, full scholarship to, um, to college. And my mom was on the other end of that um, with my dad giving me the ball saying, you know, education is key. Education can take you, you know, further than, than that basketball wheel. And so I'm glad I, I stayed focused on my education. I went to um, two great undergraduate institutions. Um, Troy University is where I started out. It was Troy State in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I like to tell that story because of two things. Um, Troy State in the, in the 70s wouldn't allow John Lewis to be admitted, even though he qualified. And um, in the 90s, they recruited me and offered me a full scholarship. And so it just tells you when people, you know, think about how far we've come and what changes have been made. Um, I'm a beneficiary of the positive changes that have been made. Um, the second thing about Troy that's significant is um, I was a transfer student from Troy to Alabama A&M, where I transferred from Troy to a historically black college university. And the reason why I transferred, I did not know at 18 to 20 years old why I felt like I needed to do, do something different. But um, as I've you know gone along this journey and worked at many different you know, institutions, I realized that it was a sense of inclusion. It was a sense of belonging. I was missing the culture and uh, was not going to develop fully who you see today as Tamika Smith-Jones. So um, Troy State was a great time. I, I played at a high level in Division One. I. I had a great academic uh, career. I had great friends um, there as well. But socially, I was really disconnected. So I took a summer and decided I was going to transfer. I transferred, and, and now I have a lot of empathy for transfer students. Right. I have little respect for the transfer portal, portal right now because it's just out of control. I mean, you're seeing whole teams transfer, yeah. but yeah. I do have a lot of empathy for transfers because, um, you know, you deserve an opportunity to, um, you know, um, be able to show up fully and completely and mature and develop the college years, those 18 to 22 year old years, uh, you know, age, 
range is so important for um, for the trajectory of your life. And so I got a chance to, to go to an HBCU, Alabama A&M University in Huntsville, Alabama. My parents are from Alabama, so it seemed like I was just going to stay in Alabama um, and got my whole life. Uh, I, I, I got a lot, a lot more um, comfortable with who I am and who I was going to become. I got a lot more confidence in seeing, you know, people that looked like me, my professors that pushed me, my coaches. Right. Um, and, and so, um, from there, it, it just kind of took off. I graduated my undergrad play, I ran cross country because I was a transfer student and my coach needed to give my scholarship to someone else when I was done playing ball. So I had one more semester to finish. And he said, I need that scholarship. You can go <laughs> run cross country for a semester. And that's what I did. I mean, it was just a no, it was just a no other option. I got it. I had to, I couldn't go back home without that um, business degree. But um, the unique part of that story is the assistant coach at the time got a head coach job at Savannah State University. We never talked about me coaching or doing anything other than me going back to Atlanta to start a business, be a businesswoman. And um, he called me one day and said, I got a graduate assistant position. I think you'll be a great coach. I can't pay you a, a salary or in cash, but I can pay for your grad school. And my mom overheard that call. Yeah. And she said, ask coach when you need to be there. And yeah, you she, take drove, she drove me to Savannah, Georgia, beautiful community, beautiful town. Really enjoyed those two years. I was doing as a grad student exactly what assistant coaches are doing right now in full time roles. I mean, I was I was booking travel. I was, you know, helping students with academic support. I was, you know, on the courts doing, you know, different drills and things and going to school full time in the evening. So I earned my, my um, degree in public administration in two years, found my way back to Atlanta, to my hometown, went to Morris Brown um, to be an assistant coach. Um, so I got co got involved in coaching at, at um, another level at, at that time um, from a GA to an assistant coach. Um, and then from there, I started having a family and, and really wanted to um, to redirect my, my career in, in a way that I could balance a little bit more and, and you know, manage my kids and, right. and spend time with them. So um, really found a, a real gift in internal affairs, which is re really my strengths which is part of what I do today in, in, as a COO, is running the day-to-day, is making sure that I'm inspecting what we expect, being efficient, making sure balls are not dropping. Um, right now, as, as a COO at Kennesaw State, all, um, all units report up to me. We have program administrators that have responsibility of different sports. My primary sport is men's and women's basketball. Uh, just finished the bas women's basketball search, so I'm really excited about being able to put an imprint on, on the program to move forward in a new era. As you know, Milton um, Overton, great man, man that has been doing uh, amazing work. He's been at, you know, Power Five, he's been at HBCUs, and now he's at the second largest public institution in the state of, of, of Georgia. So um, speaks volumes to a man that would hire a, a, a number two that has sat in the seat twice right. as, as well. So that's been a lot of fun. But um, back to, you know, the journey, I, I coached a bit at, at um, Morris Brown, went to Clark Atlanta, coached also at Clark Atlanta. Our athletic director went, um, uh, took a leave of absence. They called me to be the interim. I did that for a year. They felt like I was doing a great job. I was working with teammates that I had already been working with for five years. So it was pretty seamless to get in there and say, okay, guys, all the stuff we've been talking about, let's, 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 do, it, put up, let's do it, right? 
And they did it. And I, I um, benefited from having the opportunity to be in the right place at the right time. The president at that time, you know, was very supportive. He loved athletics. Um, I was very in tune with how to integrate athletics into the academic setting. We did a lot of partnerships across campus with the different deans and colleges. And it was just a great, vibrant AUC experience. Won several championships, first in many. Um, and, and won a men's basketball championship they had been chasing for about 40 years. Um, and so it was a really exciting time. I transitioned from Clark Atlanta because um, I felt like I'd hit a ceiling. We were landlocked. I wasn't building anything, didn't have any capital projects going on. I was just kind of going through the motions for, for a couple of months and just really wanted something different. And UTSA just came around at the right time. San Antonio is a beautiful sports town, right. uh, very diverse. Um, they were starting football. They had a woman leader as their, as their athletic director, Lynn Hickey, who's become a mentor and friend. Um, and they gave me an opportunity to be actually the first minority senior administrator um, that they had hired in, in, in recent years. And so I was able to go there, be um, the senior associate athletic director again for internal affairs, had basketball as my primary sports and volleyball, um, did great work there and, and got on the radars at California. And this, this, these stories don't happen unless you have people, you know, watching your work, your work speaking for you and championing for you. And, and the right. way I got to California really is by um, a former athletic director at the University of Maryland who worked with Kelly Mert, who was in, initially going to be on this podcast, um, Kevin Anderson. He, um, he and I had a, a casual meeting that we were going to talk about some professional development and things. I would make my rounds during the summer and University of California Riverside was looking for an athletic director. He had worked with uh, one of the senior leaders, the VPs there, and, and they asked for a short list. Tell us who the best and the brightest are in the business. We're getting ready to launch a search. I got on that list. He put several people on that list. But um, I got a chance to interview at Riverside. Never had been to Riverside. Had been to SoCal. Had been to L.A., you know, San Diego, the Bay Area, a lot of different places. But Riverside is a special, special place. Um, spent, you know, six years in Riverside. It was a dynamic time. Um, when I got there, they were the bottom of the league in most of the sports. They had 17 sports um, or have 17 sports. And the, the president, um, he had come from the big leagues. He had been at Michigan State, Kansas, and some other places. And he wanted his program to be um, winning. He right. wanted his program uh, profile to elevate at a different level. Um, and he thought I could do it. And I'm just so grateful to Chancellor Kim for, you know, believing in me, investing in me, bringing the, the actually the first black woman to sit in the seat full time in the state of California at the division one level to his program. And he put all the, the support around me that I could um, that I needed at that time to be able to build that program to something special. So that's the short of it. Um, and hopefully I answer some of your questions, but I know you've got plenty more. You, you absolutely did. And, and the person that I was trying to think of that we had connection with was Kevin Anderson. That's right. That's right. 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 Love right. Kevin Anderson. He is yeah. definitely a champion of, of men and women and right. does his part in this industry every day. Right. So, well, now you are an incredible leader. You've been an incredible leader, like I said, throughout your career. But the last two years, they've been a challenge for all of us. Yes, right? sir. Yes, <laughs> they've sir. Been a challenge. So you, you alluded to the to the transfer portal, uh, but COVID, political unrest, 
yes. uh, activism. You know, yes. the, the fact that this younger generation of athletes has they have a different they have a different power source when it comes to being active. Mm -hmm. uh, the initial the initiatives uh, of, of this social justice moment. What has all those things taught you about leadership? Absolutely. Um, so I, it just reminds me of, you know, as a leader that, first of all, it's taught me to be a person first. And I've always said I'm a person, not a position. When I went to Riverside, that's one of the things that I just kept saying, you know, this is a big job. You know, I don't know what I don't know. Um, I don't know anybody here. So who's going to cover for me and, and protect my blind spots and um, tell me what I need to know and, you know, help me get through this. And yes, I had a direct line to the president, but um, I, I inherited a team that I wanted to assess and give them an opportunity to grow with me and go with us. Right. Um, all these different, you know, elements I think I experienced at Riverside. I experienced the social unrest when when Colin Kaepernick kneeled. Um, and what I remember vividly during that, that time when he kneeled, going to the office on that Monday and stopping by my president's office and asking him, you know, you may not know what's going on out here right now, may not be impacted this to acknowledge the privilege that he had, but I, I'm raising a, a young man and woman in my house that are, you know, African-American kids that, you know, this man is kneeling for the protection of, you know, my race and my people. Um, this is going to impact a, a population on your campus. I need to understand as a leader how we're going to approach this. And um, he did what he did. He always does. He trusted me to give him some advice on it. And he gave me, you know, the go ahead to, to go and handle it the way I thought I should. And the way I handled that conversation was I went and called all my coaches together and said, you know, this is going on. You may or may not be aware how this may impact our student athletes. I want you to be empathetic. I want you to listen. I want you to uh, let's, let's support them, make sure they have the resources that they need on campus emotional, social, you know, mental health, you know, uh, all these things. Um, don't just act like it's not happening. It is happening. And so um, at that time, my team at the time was not prepared for that. They had no idea what was really going on. They, you know, were telling me all kinds of things that they wanted to do um, outside of letting our students have their freedom expect expression. We did do the right thing, and I'm grateful for that. But fast forward to George Floyd that was a whole nother level of intense you know unrest and so um again as the leader at the time you know people were putting out statements and and doing all types of things i went and called my team together my coaches and staff and i called them my student athletes this time and i said to them um i know this is impacting you in some way if it's not impacting you directly it could be impacting you um, indirectly, your parents, your family member, maybe police officers, your, you know, your brother or your sister, your teammate, you know, maybe, you know, a, a partner to, um, you know, someone that is um, of, of African American descent. Uh, whatever the case may be, I need us to sit down and talk about it together. Let's, let's, let's have some discussion. And so from a leadership standpoint, it, it allowed me to slow down and learn from my student athletes, learn from my coaches, um, learn from other ethnicities, how they're impacted by it. I never forget being on a call and hearing how it impacted a student athlete whose father was a police officer. 
And I'm thinking it from, you know, a different perspective. Never would have thought about that, but mm -hmm. having those conversations allowed me to do that. So I think that's what, you know, all of the, you know, COVID even has, has allowed us to do because I had staff members that had partners and, and spouses that were working in the medical field. They were trying to keep themselves protected. We were trying to get them to show up for work. It was, I had to just say, everybody stop what you're doing right. That's before we ruin it, ruin it all. But um, I, I think that as leaders, you know, we, you know, the key things of this is to listen, to learn, and then lead. I know we have some ideas sometimes that we just want to go in and lead. Um, I think my leadership style has really transformed and my approach has really transformed as a result of a lot of things, but those particular things that you've just mentioned have definitely um, transformed me and I think made me a better leader today. And, and you know, it's funny, and you know, of course I've had presidents of universities, yeah. conference commissioners, athletic directors, and and what you just said was was really unique to all of them mm -hmm. is that you know you had you had to listen first yeah you know, because you're the leader right the leader right. wants to grab the wheel and start driving that's right that's and, right and and what you have to do is is you have to pay it and this i talked about this group of athletes as a coach you know as an old as a more seasoned coach that's right i know i i, I played for some se more seasoned coaches than you back right. in the day with no compromise back in the day but you better oh. compromise and, and think I'm about tell it. you this is what you feel yeah. right but yeah. not this generation that's right this generation of athletes honestly they they want to be heard if, you, right. if you allow them to express you allow them to voice what's going on and then you know it's it's funny that um, I, as I talk to fans of our team, they yeah. say, well, Coach Malone, well, why are you on Twitter and why are you? And I said, well, you know what? If you're going to recruit these student athletes, you have to respect them enough to That's go right. into the world that they live that, in. That live in, right. Exactly. They live in that world. And so right. you're going to recruit them. You're going to tell them in recruiting that, oh, we, we, we have relationships. No, man, relationship means I listen to you. That's right. I find out what's important to you, and and then I go from there. Now, I'm That's right. Tell you that I'm going not to you dic them. not you dictating to them. Right. That's right. right. That day is over. Listen, right? I'm going to at least listen. So, um, you as being being a former player, right? Back in those days, it was when you when you shot your three point shot, right? That was the crowd, right? That was. The thing that got you going back in those days and then in your in your time as a coach and i experienced this it's seeing that light bulb go off in a player's life sometimes it's on the field and sometimes it's off the field but but that's the drive as a coach yes. drive as a player but now in this world you live in every day what what is your game day where, where does your thrill come from i love this i love the sound of you saying game day I've had um, women's basketball candidates on my campus for the last um, week or so. And it, it, in the mornings, I would have breakfast with them before I take them to meet the team and student, the, the support staff and executive team. And the first thing in the morning I say when I'm going to pick them up was, um, good morning, coach, it's game day. Yeah. And I, that's the old, that's the old 
baller in me. That's the old coach in me. Like I live every day as an administrator, like it's game day. And so what game day looks like for me is um, that I have to get up and, and, and make sure that I come show up fully with the right attitude, with the right effort, with the right approach, um, being a team player. Um, as the COO, I am like the orchestrator of all things that my athletic director wants to get done. And I'll take it even to another level. He's responsible to, and accountable to the, to the president. And because I've sat in the seat as a sitting athletic director, I'm in tune to what the overarching vision of the campus is and what the president wants as well. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm helping him as, as, as much as I can get those things done. I'm, uh, game day for me is making sure he can stay in the athletic director's role and do the high level. And I can stay on the ground level with the, with the um, team and, and get all the, the other things done. And so it's been a lot of fun being at Kennesaw State um, and, and being able to support a very competent, very competitive, very compassionate team of, of professionals. Um, if, you, if you showed up on my campus right now, you would see people going in and out of my office, you know, checking in, you good? Because we are intense every day, always, you know, we're results driven, we're um, competitive, but we care about one another, we care about our student athletes, we keep them in the center of everything that we're doing and everything that we're thinking. And as an administrator, I have just really taken on the mindset that, um, yes, I'm student center, but I have taken an approach that I'm also coach and support staff center too, because I've been a coach, I've been an assistant uh, before I sat in the AD seat, I'm now back as a number two. And I think sometimes we miss taking care of the people right. And we miss the, the, the real core of what it takes to make sure that our people are trained, that they're educated, they have the tools and the resources to do their jobs and do their jobs well. So when there's conflict, where there's crisis, where there's problem solving, we don't get on the defense all the time. So quickly, we come together as a family unit, as a team, as a teammate to say, how did we get here? Who all needs to be at the table to help us resolve it? Let's get this resolved in peace. Let's not throw anybody under the bus, you know, and, 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 and let's all be accountable for, for our part. So that's what game day looks like for me. I look for a win every single day. If I don't win in some way or day, Milton will come to me and say, we just got this donation. And, and he'll say, we got a win today. Um, our other senior associates would say, we got something done that we had um, jammed up in, in our process that is my responsibility to make us more efficient and effective in what we do. And when they get it done, they give me a report and say, we got this done today. It's a win. We pound and we celebrate and we move on to the next thing. So that's, that's what game day looks like um, to me. I bump around to our student athletes. I see them in practice. I check in on our coaches. Um, I make sure our support team understand that we appreciate them. I'll bring them donuts on Fridays. Um, after our women's basketball search, I mean, it was a slam dunk. I brought them donuts on Friday and said, you guys slam dunked it this week. Let's, let's enjoy some donuts. So. Right. And, and for a football coach, you know, you, you using those basketball terms. <laughs> get it in the end zone. <laughs> right. Get it in the end zone. But you know, you, as you talk about your role, uh, as a number two here here at Kansas State, 
Uh, I, I sit in the role of assistant head coach. And, you know, before I was in that seat, but although you've been, it's been different for you, but for me, before I was in that seat, you know, I was totally focused on my position. That's right. That's right. And my position. And why don't we have more, the, the cornerbacks, the defensive backs need, they need more bagels, you know. Yeah. They yeah. no no worry about any other position. And so when I've been in since I've been in this role, and and I and I really thank Coach Kleinman for giving me the opportunity to be in this role because I I see the things and I participate in the the challenges that that he is experiencing. Now yeah. some days I'm trying to jump off the ship. <laughs> I already know it get hot. It's oh, got, it's hot. It goes, it gets hot and and you know it's it's been I think very rewarding for me, but then it's also been, I think, a comfort for him because there are have somebody that's in, right in that seat, right? Everybody runs. It, it's it's lonely at the top. That's it's right. lonely at the top, and if you don't have somebody there to support and walk with you in some of the decision making, make sure you ain't losing your head and. Right. It, that's right. That's good. That's well. You you referred to that earlier when you you said when you were in that well early in your career. Yeah you you needed that you needed someone so so i think it's it's been good for him but it's been a, a true learning experience for me um and and you talked about the fact that as the leader yes we all are responsible for the student athletes but you also as the leader you have to be responsible for each other other around yeah. right who are right. connected as i can follow my teammates that's right and that's, that's right and and you know and you know um, Van you know when you have when you build that type of culture I think you you recruit leaders for for good culture right, right. Um, when you build that type of culture we're going through our strategic plan right now at Kennesaw State University I'm fortunate to be leading it for Milton um, and and all of our executive team are intricate parts of leading that vision forward but uh, we're 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 um, reading a book together the energy bus already read it Love okay it. So, so so when you get everybody on the bus guess what you see very clearly the people that are not on the bus that's right you that's see right. them very they stick out like a sore thumb right? right and and once you identify that at least for me in my case as a coo i feel like it's my responsibility to not let them stay at the bus stop and us pass them by but right. help them get on the bus and 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 you can't do that if you're in your silos just doing your job things are transactional you're not a people person you got to be able to um at, at least as a senior level administrator you got to be able to navigate all of that and and pull it all together and make it fit you know tightly um, that's when you can move up. You can you can move forward like nothing you've ever seen. And I think that's where my success, your podcast is, podcast is winners win, leaders lead. I think it, that's exactly where my success has been. And that has been pulling people together, identifying, you know, uh, areas of, of, of opportunity and growth for people, not letting them get stagnant and, and, and bored in what they're doing continuing to engage them in ways that they can grow and develop. Uh, we spent a lot of money on professional development, but I started maybe about 10 years ago, getting those that I invest in professional development to bring that information back 
and present it to the team. If you can go on a professional development trip and spend two or three days, five days, sometimes weeks in Florida, California, wherever, all they, they, the places they have them, and you can't bring two or three things back to the team to make us better, that is, those are wasted resources. So right. I think all of that is important in, in, in just making sure you, you're building champions and building winners, and I know that's what we're all about. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we will discuss this book once you guys get, get done reading it because um, I, I read it a few years ago. And, you know, I'm a big leadership book person. Mm -hmm. And so what I do, I learn this from, um, I can't remember, I, I learned it from, from a, uh, someone that I was connected with years back. And he said what he would do is he'd go back and reread a book. Okay, yeah. the world moves too fast. My life go. I can never do that is what I said at that time. Right, right. But it goes to the point you just said. Okay, we spend money. We spend time on this book. You mm -hmm. go through and read this whole book and you don't maximize. You don't pull all the energy out of this book. Right. Go back and do it again. Go back and read it again. Go back and do it again and, and, and make sure you don't leave, leave anything on the table. And so I've, I've learned to go back and read books well. Like I said, that book, The Energy Bus, was it's a great book, a, a life changer when we talk about uh, writing down your missions. What are your missions yeah. in life? You know what I mean? And, and you, have life, you have a life as a husband, as a father, right. mm -hmm. a life as a coach. I have a life as a leader. I have a life as I relate to, I have a life as a man. You That's know? right. And so uh, it, it, it was a, an amazing book. And it's, it's actually about time for me to go back and hit it again. Well, let me, let me just touch on one thing, Van, before you move on. You talked about all the different uh, roles that you play in life. I think about that every day. Um, I, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a, you know, a leader at my office. I'm, I'm a, a, a daughter. My mom depends a lot on me for different things. I'm a partner. I'm a, a sister. Um, I think it's important as leaders that we can fully get into our role. It's like, for me, it's like, um, you know, shifting characters all throughout the day. I'm shifting characters. And so I, I have learned to strategize and set my day up in a way where uh, when I get up, that's me time. I work out, get my coffee, get my shower. I'm good. If I can do, if I can get a workout in and coffee, I'm good. Um, going into my office every day, I try to touch point with my, my loved ones, my significant others, you know, people that, that, I know once I get to the office, I may not be able to engage with deeply, right? Um, so my kids are the most important piece of that. But when I get to the office, it's like another switch turns on. It's go time. It's game time for real, right? We're trying to get things done. We're trying to get results done. Um, but, you know, I think there's there's got to be, you know, more talk in leadership about recognizing and respecting and appreciating and the approach of letting people be humanized. Yeah, I um, when, I, when I was sitting in the athletic director's seat and I've said in it twice, I was very focused on making sure that I humanized that seat because there's a lot of pressure that comes with that seat. There's a lot of pressure that comes with me being a COO and I'm responsible for making sure my boss looks really great, my team is efficient and we're able to get things done, that I can hire the right people to put on the team and on, and on the bus, that we can meet metrics that we have never met before, that we can get better and elevate our profile, advance our teams all to championship level. That's a lot of responsibility. Right. But 
I think that if, if we can humanize that we're, you know, we're working together, we're not um, punitive in, 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 in ways that people feel like they can't make mistakes, they can't bring you anything that's not all the way put together, they don't even want to present things to you because you've got such a spirit of excellence. I think that sometimes diminish the growth and the progress that teams can have, programs can have, and quite frankly, rising stars and young administrators, which I really lean into, first-time coaches, program administrators and sport administrators trying to get involved in, in, in the day-to-day -day of, of, of managing and supporting you as a, as a, as a coach. Um, you know, people that are aspiring to be athletic directors, like, well, how do they learn how to do that? How do they grow? If, you know, we don't humanize the position enough to um, slow down and, and, and walk people through what we do on a daily basis, which is pretty in, impressive. And um, I always say, you know, having reported to a president, as an athletic director, even as a COO, I really feel like I'm a, I'm a re reflection of my athletic director. I'm, I'm trying to do exactly what they're doing and set them up for great success, right? As a athletic director, my athletic director is trying to do, he's, he's just as forward facing as the president. And he's gotta be setting the president up in everything that they do. So um, I, I think that, that, that sometimes get missed in all the to-do lists, all the position descriptions, all the check boxes that you have to get. Exactly. We have to slow down and really, you know, lay out a blueprint where people can learn, they can grow, and they can feel comfortable in a safe space doing that. I was fortunate to be able to start my career in an HBCU and do that. Yeah. Um, now that I've gotten to a predominant level, uh, a, 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 a mid-major division one, I try to still keep that mindset and not think of myself more highly than I am and make sure that I'm taking care of all the people around me and letting them grow as, as I go. And I, what you, I think that, that I've also been really blessed to be able to be with a head coach who has that same vision. Mm -hmm. as, as, as soon as Coach Kleiman and I had this meeting to say, hey, Van, I'm going to appoint you as the assistant head coach, he said, well, I got to go to a meeting. No, he said, I have a meeting with our athletic director, Gene Taylor. Mm -hmm. I said, all right, talk to you later. It was a meeting about COVID, right, about the protocol. Yeah. And, because this this is when this all came about, right? We were learning how we were going to handle COVID. So I waved bye bye, and he said, "No, no, you come with me." <laughs> and, and so, honestly, since then, I love it. it's been a growing process. Which you talked about—that's the responsibility of the leader. It's, 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 I like to think of it as a triangle, right? right. You, you have to make sure your athletic director looks great. Great. To make sure that all the people who work with you look great. That's they right. have to. I had a coach uh, when I, I was a defensive coordinator at another school, and one of the assistant coaches. He said, "Hey, he he said it in an interview, not to me, but he said my job is to make Coach Malone. I want I want him to be the best coach that he, the best defensive coordinator that he. That's can. right. That's right. In my head, I'm saying, "Hey, I want to help this guy to be a defensive coordinator." That's so right. That triangle when you have it flowing. I've also seen some head coaches who were like, bow down and kiss my ring. You know what I mean? They get more highly of themselves than they ought. <laughs> when, it's, when it's to kiss the ring, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not flowing yeah. the right way. That's right. 
And speaking of, of those leaders, we've had some awesome leaders and, and we've exchanged some, some great ideas uh, about the best strategies to provide leadership, kind of like what you and I are talking about. But those leaders, they always point back to someone who helped them along the way. Mm-hmm. Who, as you think about your career, who has, who has been a leader that you've been around who's helped you and, and, and really what, what things did they teach you? Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly, uh, my mother has been a, a, a real, you know, gym, a real, real, you know, dynamic woman that has grew up in, in the sixties and, and, and survived that. I mean, literally survived the sixties. Um, and, you know, high school was the, was the, you know, biggest thing for them to, to, to get accomplished back then, but she went on to pursue her um, bachelor's, master's, and doctorate degree. Um, has been, you know, a consistent, stable, um, you know, leader in our home, even even, even as a, a, a woman, as a wife. So being able to see just how you can um, be a, a servant and submissive, but also be very, you know, fierce and, 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 and firm in the way that you guide and lead the family um, probably was the best, you know, childhood upbringing I could have had to do what, you know, I think God has called me to do in athletic administration. Um, she's still to this day, I mean, she's like 68 right now. And, and, and um, she coaches me every day. Every time I talk to her, she's got a lesson. She's telling me she, I am never going to, I know I'm, I'm the best thing in her world uh, outside of her other kids, but she's never going to think that she's perfected me yet. She keeps coaching me. She keeps telling. And so I do that with my kids. I do that on the college campus. Like I'm always trying to, you know, show them how they can get better, but I'm also trying to be a mentor and a model to them. So I hold myself to a real high standard. I really, you know, try to be accountable for my own actions first before I'm commanding and demanding of others. Um, Her whole approach to life, her whole approach to her family, her whole approach to uh, what she believes is important has really um, driven me to, to, to be great. Um, and, and professionally, it's been, it's been my first um, president that hired me as athletic director. He was, he, was a, he was a fan of mine from grad school. He was one that you know, allowed me to grow and develop, trusted me with an entire program to be successful and, and move it forward. Um, and he's still champions for me today. If I call him and need a reference or anything, he's always speaking to me. I hear about it in the community. Um, you know, I, I model, I wear lapel pins now because he wore lapel pins back then. And um, it's just something that looked presidential about the lapel pin, right? Um, and so uh, I really am indebted to Carlton E. Brown, who, who hired me in my first athletic director seat. He was the president of, of um, uh, Savannah State while I was in my grad school and he became the president of Clark Atlanta after I had went on to Clark Atlanta. So just a beautiful story of how even men champion women and helping to advance them in, in higher education and athletic administration. Well, um, there's something that I, as I research you and uh, learn a little bit about you, I know that you have a lot of great passions, uh, but, but one of your passions, obviously, is diversity 
And, um, you know, I always say, and I've had some great guests on this podcast, and I always say that the thing you need to realize is that there is strength in diversity. I don't Absolutely. care if it's older, younger, I don't care if it's black, white, I don't care if it's a, a woman or a man. Diversity of thought. And that's right. There's that's strength. right. You can see things through different lenses. That's there's right. There's strength in that. And so you happen to be uh, one of the founding members of the Black Athletic Directors Alliance. And could, could you could you tell me what, what that is all about and, and yeah. where your passion for that comes from? Absolutely. That had that Black Athletic Directors Alliance was birthed out of the George Floyd murder. Um, Alan Green, athletic director at Auburn University, called several of the athletic directors. Um, a, a small core in the beginning to say, hey, what are you guys doing with this? How are you, you know, supporting your student athletes? Let's talk about this. That small group started calling other athletic directors, and I was an athletic director at the time at the at University of California, Riverside. And, and, and the mission of that, one, was to gather us as Black athletic directors and administrators because, again, having the support of one another was so important at that time. I mean, we were hurting um and we were um seeking the best counsel and guidance from one another because guess what if you hadn't been sitting in our seat and dealing with what we've been dealing with you had no idea how to help us navigate this space and as the black face of programs guess who they were looking for to answer all the black challenges and concerns right. us right so we had to we had to come together and figure that out second thing we came together we got through our personal emotional you know stress from that we started leading our our teams and our programs um, the best we could we started collaborating with one another doing zooms with one another getting on each other's campuses zoom to talk about what's what's going on and we also decided that we would you know build out a way to advance and recruit other minority leaders black leaders that wanted to be athletic directors so that's the second real piece of this is that we wanted to replace ourselves we wanted to champion for other black administrators who weren't given the opportunities who can never get qualified enough the goal post you want to put it in football terms keep moving for us right, right. you know um for some of us that aspire to be power five ad's mid-major ad's um the division one ADs or any divisional AD and are qualified, overqualified to get it done. Um, we wanted to find answers. And so we brought in commissioners, we brought in hiring, you know, search firms, we brought in other athletic directors, uh, not black American athletic directors that we've asked to be champions for us. And it's been a beautiful season um that that really um alan green started uh, out of his vision and that we have run with it now we have all types of subcommittees that are educational purposes hbcu subcommittee social justice subcommittee to make sure that we're positioning ourselves and our unit uh, and this this um alliance in a way that it will be it will have longevity that it will be impactful and that every black american would be able to have access to us and be able to help them get to where they're trying to go. And that's many of them to the athletic director seat. I think it's amazing. As, as I've, as I've 
researched and just read a little bit about that group, that organization, I think it's, it's, there's definitely a path for success. On the coach's side, yes, uh, right. We kind of, I'm a part of an organization, just like you, one of the founding members of an organiza organization called the Minority Coaches mm -hmm. Advancement Association. And just like, just listening to you, one of the things that was important to us is that, you know, during the, during COVID and, and uh, the times when we were quarantined, it was easy to get on the Zooms and, yep. and go back and forth. But, but one of the commitments that we made is that we wanted to be a part of doing something, right? That's right. When, when we would be free of quarantine, we wanted to make sure we formed an organization that, that did things. And so since the formation, which has been over a year now uh, of our organization, we've had, we've had uh, it, women's basketball coaches, mock okay. interviews. Okay. We've had head football coaches. We're actually about to get into our second head coaches uh, mock interview. And we actually have about 15 candidates. The first year we only, we chose only five candidates. This year we'll have 15 candidates uh, and, and we'll put them in a room with four athletic, three athletic directors and a, and a person uh, who represents a search firm. Okay. So we've established relationships with those search firms, with athletic directors, with, with deputy athletic directors to That's give right. them the opportunity to be a part of this process to help them to grow. Yep. And, uh, and so we're, we're proud of, of one thing is that uh, we want to do everything and we've done everything we can to, to make sure, just like, just like um, the Black AD Alliance, that, that no one can say there's not qualified candidates. They're not ready. And so, you know, honestly, as you think about it, the place we're in, in terms of hiring and the discrepancies we face. Sure. There's different tracks you can go down, right? That's there's right. some people they they want. Hey, we need to go to Congress, <laughs> you know. And there's another group that says we need to 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 steer the athletes in one direction or another. And right. I think you know, honestly, it's going to take it's going to take a lot of different tracks to come. That's right. But you know, our our organization is is purposed with pre preparation. Right, yes. bringing awareness and preparation, which sounds like you know what you yep. similar, similar, yep, similar tracks. That's right. Well, I, I, Good work. I pray for your your success, and I and I definitely applaud you you coming together and doing what you're doing. I have one. I have one final question. Um, when 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 you look at your career, right? You look at your career. What, where, where do you see yourself? What, what's your track? Where do you see yourself down the, down the line? I don't want to say in five years and 10 years, but, right. but, but what is your, what is your, what are you fishing for? Where, where are you trying to go? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I am a woman of God and I believe that my life has already been predestined. And I, I think I, you know, I'm comfortable just trusting God and walking in the doors that are open and, and made available to me. I think, um, you know, I tell my younger self, you know, not to kick down doors and, and um, just, you know, grow and go. Um, don't worry about, you know, doors that don't open for you. There, there's another one and a better one probably, you know, around the corner. So 
um, I, I really don't have any vision for the future as in a position or something that I just, you know, uh, bucket list want to do. I want to continue to impact and, and impart and, and continue to develop myself in a way that when people need me, I can give them the, the information and a response that will change the trajectory of their life. Just like someone, you know, gave me and changed the trajectory of mine. I was going to be a businesswoman. I do a lot of business. It's athletic business. Yes. And I enjoy doing it every day. Here's what's so unique about that answer is that as a coach, you know, as a coach, if you would have talked to me many years ago in my career, I would have laid it out. You know, yes. I, mean, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I want to do yes. that. This, this. But but when you when you get to a place in your life where you understand what your purpose is, yep. you learn that your purpose is right where you are. That's right. Your purpose you is to be there. present. Your purpose is right here. And yeah. guess what? God is going to change it. Yeah. And then you just got to, okay, all right, we're Go going with it. right now. And, I, and got a state, I got a statement that I say on at the office that pivots pro, uh, uh, pros pivot. That's pros right. Pros pivot. That's and right. uh, I think that you're exactly right. When you're in your passion, you just stay put. You just, you know, you just, you know, tuck the ball and, and, and just <laughs> run up the middle. I'm always amazed when running back. I'm always amazed when running backs get the ball and just run up the middle. It's like a gap up the middle. I don't see it until it opens up, right? right. That's like, that's the same thing that I feel when, you know, when God is guiding you and directing you. All you got to do is just hold that ball and, and run the middle. You're going to get exactly where you're supposed to go. And as long as you don't, um, you know, start trying to do your own thing. Run the play. Run the, run the play, man. Run the play. It's already been scripted. The term I use is, is you just got to keep pedaling, keep right? Pedaling. You keep pedaling and, and God is steering the bike, right? That's right. You keep pedaling. That's well, right. I'll tell you what, Tamika, and I call you Tamika. Right, that, Tam that's all right. I've answered to Tamika before, so yeah. no problem. Hey, well, I, I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, again, like I said, there many people have profess that they learn quite a bit from these podcasts and I I promise you they learn they learn quite a bit from this one. Uh, I appreciate you and, and we'll be we'll be connected, right? Yes. Uh, and and I, I'll be watching, I'll be pulling uh, Thank you. Uh, for you and your career. And I don't know where your bike is gonna go. Right. But I know it's going up the hill. Right. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great conversation. You're doing great work. I, I applaud you for getting outside of your comfort zone and doing something new to enrich and and um, and support the needs that, that people have. And that's to be able to tune into a podcast in their free time to, to learn more, grow more, and be able to connect with you and I. So know that I'm a, I'm a friend of yours now. I look forward to being a part of some other things that you have going on. And um, if you ever need me, don't hesitate to call. Thank you. Thank you.